Welcome back to another episode of Bodies by Brent. I am your host, Brent Ruska. Been a personal trainer for almost two decades. I'm out here in the Austin, Texas area, and I thought it would be fun to do a roundtable Q&A health and fitness style. We are joined once again by two leading health and fitness trainers in the Austin area, Tessa and Erica. This week, they come onto the show and help answer some of the most asked questions we receive as personal trainers. We dive into how you can incorporate this information into your gym routine. We talk about how the health market is a billion dollar business and how you actually don't need a lot of supplements for optimal health. We touch on things like just because it fits your macros doesn't mean you should be eating it. How if you're not achieving your goals, it's probably because you're protein deficient and what you can do about these facts. We also cover the biggest lie in the fitness industry, the differences between macros and calories, and so much more. This is an episode you're going to want to listen all the way through. Guys, thank you for being here. Please like, follow, and subscribe. And we are glad you are here. Share this with somebody you think will get a lot out of it. And let's just get right to it. Tessa, Erica, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you. I'm happy to be back. Yeah. Give me a little update on you guys. Check in with y'all. Oh man. There's a lot of updates for me. What's your biggest one? So last time I was on the podcast, I had not yet launched my new business name. So my business has now become Be Bold Fitness and we are servicing both men and women. So I do not only train women. I also train men. So that's a huge change, but it's an exciting one. I think we talked last in November of last year. Whoa. So it's been some time. Wow. Yeah. So now my business has been in full swing for uh, a year. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. And you have a podcast too now. I have a podcast. Exciting. Shout out. Yeah. It's the Be Bold Fitness Podcast. I love it. All right, Erica, what's going on in your world? You just got back from a trip. I did. I ate everything. I love it. They had to roll me off the plane. <laughs> it was Puerto Vallarta, right? Yes, the whole week. It was a uh, my girl's fortieth birthday. Cool. A whole big group. We did an ATV day. We did a yacht day. Um, we had an eighties night party day. We just went all in. It was great. It's fantastic. That's dope. And I had you guys here because I thought it'd be fun to answer all our clients' questions. The most See. dire, you know, desirable questions. You guys love ready? It. Yes, I think so. All right. First one. This one (laughs) came from your crew, Tessa. Mm -hmm. Should I still train chest if I have breast implants? Yeah, this is a good one. I actually really love this question because I think I realized the other day that a lot of women are scared to train their chest for whatever reason. If they're afraid to lose their natural boobs or if they have breast implants, they are really worried about training with them. So From my perspective, I do think that you should still train chest. I actually don't think that there is an area you shouldn't train, but I think that we have to adapt. If something is painful or uncomfortable in your training, you should not be performing that and you should be talking to your trainer or if you are training yourself, understanding your body and how it works and how you can train that differently. Um, A lot of times when we think of training chest, we think of those bigger push movements. So chest press, um, or we think of chest flies is a really common one that people have a lot of pain with. Now you can still target similar muscles. You just, again, have to re-strategize and change how you're training those muscles so that you don't experience that pain. It doesn't always need to be super heavy weight. You can start building up that muscle 
But no, I do not think that you should neglect training your chest just because you have breast implants. What do you think, Erica? Well, um, I have a very personal perspective because I do have breast implants. So I am one to speak of not only training with clients, but also training myself. I've never had any issues. I have submuscular implants. and Underneath. Um, Correct, yeah. the muscle. And um, where the contractions do happen, you do feel um, it as well. But it, it's just like you feel it, so to speak, but it's not where it's like really uncomfortable or hurts in any way. And, you know, I also um, agree with you, Tessa. I feel that I think there's a lot of that bro mentality out there with girls. They think chest is just for guys. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm like, no, what about the yeah. shoulders, the perkiness? They're like, oh, yeah, okay, I'll train chest. And that's <laughs> like a midsum of all the obvious aesthetic benefits as well, you know, obviously muscular mm-hmm. foundationally uh, with strength as well. Uh, but, and I do heavy, and I just want to say, I do heavy lifting. I do push-ups every morning. I do military style as well. And um, I don't find any discomfort... Again, I do feel case-to-case basis. Also, you know, knowing a specific situation of that um, trainee uh, would be something that we need to go over. But overall, I think it's totally fine. Yeah, that makes sense. I've had some clients have resistance to doing it Mm -hmm. because I think they're afraid they'll, you know, pop them or hurt them or anything. (laughs) Yeah. Or sometimes, I don't know if you've had clients pull up sometimes, how they've cut the muscle can feel weird because of scar tissue Mm -hmm. because it can stretch the pecs a little bit Mm -hmm. weird. But that's good. Yeah. Train chest. Definitely train chest. Absolutely. Yes. Okay. How to coordinate and manage being on a diet with a significant other or family. Yes. How does one do this? Yes. This comes up a lot because I have... Um, I have, uh, I train women, um, mainly only women, and they're usually, you know, living with someone else, married, kids, family. So it gets a little complicated. It's not just they can make their meals, be unbothered, no alcohol in the house, no any, you know, kids food and stuff. And there's just a lot of temptation and a lot of, you know, family things that happen um, or the significant other is like, I want pizza tonight. What? You're not going to have pizza tonight? So they just like kind of guilt them in. So I always say um, the best thing to do in this situation is definitely communicate. So it's really important to be speaking to your significant other or family and be like, hey, this is what we're doing. Help mommy or help me to have, you know, the result that I'm looking for. And, you know, a partner and a family, if they're supportive of each other and it's good communication, there should be no reason why they can make situations work during the week, um, just as long as they're proactive and they communicate. So that's essentially what I do. And usually they don't do that. They usually just like, I'm just going to eat this and I'm going to make them eat it. And they don't say anything. And it's like, nah, you should talk to them about it, not just force them into eating a salad if they don't want to and then find you know the happy medium okay you like pasta fantastic let me make it a little bit of a healthier version so i can have it you can have it we're all happy in the family as well you know so yeah i agree how do you deal with that tessa yeah no i completely agree with that i think communication is huge we all know that if you're going to be successful in a program it's really nice to have that support especially internally knowing that your family and your significant other are able to support you through this journey because I think nutrition can all, most of the times be the most challenging part of anybody's fitness journey as a whole. I have a few clients that deal with it differently than others. Some 
do the well, this is what we're eating everybody else is going to join in type thing i do have clients who their significant others are actually the ones who are in charge of creating the meals and grocery shopping and that's actually something that i would then potentially talk to that significant other as well when we are working on the program to make sure that they are on the same page and everybody's in alignment because imagine shopping for your significant other and then not doing anything that they asked. So uh, I do have clients that, again, their significant others prepare things for them. And uh, we just kind of go over what those expectations, those boundaries look like. And then I have clients who use meal prep services. They'll eat their meals and then they'll continue to make meals for their families as is. Um, But they know that if they're dieting or something, that it's going to be a shorter period where over the next two months that they're doing this and then they'll go back into their essentially regular routine. Yeah, I think communication is key because it doesn't even come down to just diet. It's also, will you watch the kids so I can go work out? Mm. Can we not, if you're, a, you know, I have clients who are big drinkers together since mm. they got together. And if you're trying to reduce that a little bit, right, and you don't communicate, it can be, you create conflict, right? You're not clearly communicating, then they'll be upset at each other. And, you know, and the person doesn't need to do what you're doing. You just need to communicate, you know, have a conversation and be like, you know, where are you willing to meet me to help me, you know, achieve my goals? You know, what are you willing to do to support me? You know, instead of telling them what to do or being like, you need to do, we're all eating this way now, right? Because you're not going to get buy-in on that. It's not going to be, it's not going to be helpful. Right. I also feel like that's helpful advice for friendships as well, because I have a lot of friends who don't understand where my goals are at. And it's important for me to communicate in these friendships that if we're going out to eat, it's not that I'm not eating anything or whatever that looks like. I'm just maybe eating before, but I still want to join them and have that company. And so Mm -hmm. I think communicating what my boundaries are is really important, especially when it comes down to drinking. Because a lot of times my clients will feel pressured to go out and drink with their friends or they're on a vacation and they're Mm -hmm. trying to limit their alcohol, but they feel pressured to make these choices. Even just saying to your friends like, here are what my boundaries are. If I say I'm not having another drink, please don't push me to have another. I'm really trying to cut back on alcohol, whether it's for fitness or just for other benefits. Yeah. And this goes for anything in life, right? If the people care and love about you, they'll be willing to help meet your needs in whatever way that is realistic to them. It's foundational respect, essentially. Yeah. And it's very surprising. Obviously, we're going a little tangent real quick, but it's very surprising how a lot of people in relationships, intimate, you know, just friendships are just don't have that. So then when you do ask that, they're kind of looking at you like, well, all of a sudden, you know, you want to do what you want to do. Like, we don't care. And then it's kind of like, oh, let's ask, you know, yourself whether you want to be still in that friendship. Yeah, <laughs> it's interesting, but it happens all the time. Yeah, there's two people that have been together for a while. One begins on a fitness yeah. journey and it begins conflict and, yeah. you know, it reveals a lot of things. Exactly. Friendships, relationships, yeah. family, oh, yeah. you know, you know, and, you know, choose yourself. Always. Yeah. What's some of the biggest questions you get working with your clients, what's like one of the most common questions you see when people come to you? Just in general. Yeah. Just in general. I got your questions. I know. I was like, I got my (laughs) questions. I would honestly say the biggest thing is how to balance going out and drinking while still hitting your goals. Mm. And you do that well, I think, right? Because you go out still. 
Yeah. So my personal journey looks a little different right now because my goals have looked a lot different. Got it. So So what are your goals right now and how has your lifestyle changed? So my personal goals, I am on a fat loss goal. So I spent nine months doing a reverse diet, really working on building a lot of lean muscle. What did you work up to? Calorie wise, calorie wise, about 2000 to 2100 calories. Cool. And so and what's your weight and height? So I'm five feet tall. At that point, I was I got up to 119 pounds. I typically before that I was 107. Yeah. Um, So I did gain quite a bit of weight, but I think a lot of that was muscle. Yes, some of it was still body fat. I was not perfect in my reverse diet, Um, but now I am on a fat loss journey so that I can reveal some of the muscles that I've built up. I like to have a specific aesthetic for myself and What I always like to remind my clients is that this is a priority for me. I do not expect everybody else to put this in their top priorities, but it is for me. It's something that makes me feel good about myself and it's when I feel the sexiest, the most confident. And so my priorities right now are not going out and drinking or eating out. I already have a lot of dietary restrictions, so eating out already isn't that fun for me to eat gluten-free, dairy-free, peanut-free. So it's really not all that exciting, but I do not eat out very often, maybe one time a week. And currently, I am only drinking a maximum of four drinks per week. Um, I was drinking a lot more previously, and I absolutely have seen a change since cutting back on alcohol. It is 1000% if you are still drinking alcohol. Can you see results? Yes, you can see results. You are not going to see results as fast and you may not see as much of a result. Alcohol prevents us from gaining muscle and losing body fat. So if we take that out, whether it's completely or minimize it as much as possible, it's gonna be a lot easier to get to our goals. Yeah, it hinders your recovery, hinders your sleep. 100%. So, you know, if you take something out that's, you know, creating hindrance, you're going to get to where you want to be faster. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, sleeping, it, I mean, I, you know about my aura ring. Energy as well affects a lot. It's crazy. I mean, just the other night, I did exceed my four drinks the other night and I felt the effects of it. I had a terrible workout two days later. Oh, yeah. I could barely push any weight. I couldn't sleep for two nights and my body weight shot up from inflammation. It's wild just to see. I mean, if you're not sleeping, you're not recovering. That is when your protein synthesis is happening. It's happening while you sleep. Yeah, right. exactly. I agree 100%. What's your biggest question when, when ladies come to you? A little bit to what she mentioned, but it was mainly how to manage weekends. So that was the main Weekends and how to stay motivated and get pumped to work out when you don't want to. So those are the two main ones I get. I feel like it's more, my girls are pretty good in general during the week. They're pretty much on it. But then on the weekend, they just, some of them feel like it's a free for all or they kind of lose control. And they're like, it's like a snowball effect, right? They eat one meal and then it's another. And then then we got alcohol and then I want a dessert. (laughs) It's It's like, you know. It's a vacation. Yeah. And it's like a vacation. And that's, I think, what they struggle with the most. Not because they don't know how to say no to themselves, but it's specifically that they utilize food as a comfort, as a release. And that's essentially what I try to talk about is why, what, what is your why? So it's not that they don't want to prioritize this in a way. They don't want to prioritize maintenance. The 
it's just that they don't understand that the why of what instigates the behavior is what's holding them back. So yeah. as soon as we can address that, be like, what are the other fun things you can do instead of eating for the weekends? Then it starts, you know, them navigating their energies into other things that are fun that don't have to do with food. And then that kind of starts to take care of itself. Yeah. So kind of talking through that in a, you know, kind of indirect way helps more than just the direct, like, well, you shouldn't be eating all that food and doing all that doesn't help anyone. No. So. Yeah. Pointing out negatives doesn't help people. Right. Right. That's why it's a lifestyle change. Right. Right. It's the lifestyle mm -hmm. that helps you achieve the results, not just a diet and a program. It's everything. What right. you do on the weekends with your friends mm -hmm. after workouts, before you go to bed. Yeah. All that stuff. I'd Can say, I add to that? Yeah, go for it. So I just wanted to say there's two things when I'm working with clients that are going into a weekend. There's two things I like to state to them. One, trying to not let our weekend be the weekend. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of times once Friday hits, it's mm -hmm. like all wheels come off. Yeah. We are just going buck wild. Fuck it. And yeah. it's, it's literally. <laughs> all the cookies. Yes. Yeah. I love cookies. It's like all of a sudden we didn't, we're like, we didn't drink anything. And then it's 10 drinks a night. We're doing shots at the bar. We're on the yeah. bar. Like, and then we're it's eating an entire pizza. Mentality. Yeah. And so. Do it during the week. Exactly. But right. your weekend doesn't have to be your weekend. Mm -hmm. You can still have a weekend without giving everything up. But in that comes expectation setting. And this is something that has been really big for me is being able to say, here are the expectations and or the boundaries that I've set for myself. Maybe that is a friend's birthday has come up that weekend. And you're like, you know what, this weekend I know that I am going to be going out on Saturday night. We are going to a nice restaurant and I really want to have an indulgent meal. Great. You can have that. How can you prepare the rest of Saturday so that you don't feel like you have gone crazy on Saturday night? Can you still hit your protein on Saturday for your lunch and your um, breakfast? Correct. Can you hit some healthier, more balanced meals, get in some fruits, get in some veggies, maybe an active recovery day, go on a 30 minute walk. You don't need to do anything crazy, but in the back of your mind, remember, this is the expectation. I am being filled up. My cup is filled up by my time with my friends on Saturday night. And so I don't feel guilty or feel bad about that versus being like, oh, I binged on Saturday night, even though I told myself I wasn't going to. No, you know that you were going to have an indulgent meal. Great. Let's so set it. that expectation, right. have it, and then move on. Right. Move right. on. And to add on to that, this is really important as well, is during the week, if you have a certain amount of macro targets that I usually set for them, if they're looking to do that, I give them that or specific macro targets, whatever is kind of what they want to do. And I tell them, say, hey, you want the cookie? You have the cookie. Just, you know, fit it in. It's fine. You want that slice of pizza? Get the pizza. Every day you can have ice cream if you want, for example, if that's what you absolutely have to have. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You don't have to wait till the weekend. Okay, I'm going to have the ice cream cookie on Sunday. And then you just literally eat the whole yeah. store. So that usually helps as well to, because it's just having that done on a daily basis and not just waiting for the weekend. So for sure. that always helps. I agree. Yeah. I'd say the most common thing I get asked is more, it's kind of general people coming to me with general questions being like, is it yes or no? Like, have you seen this trend going around right now? It's like, I keep hearing clients ask me walk on a treadmill for 30 minutes at 3.5 for 12% grade at 12% grade. Mm -hmm. it, it's some trend going around maybe online. I, I I've had four clients ask me this. Yeah. It's such a general thing. It's like, yeah, sure. Do it. <laughs> yeah. But it's like, 
Move your ass. Is it good? Is it good? Yes and no, right? Yeah, you, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Everything is so nuanced. Yeah. Right? So it's like, yeah. you know, try it, right? You know, my philosophy is do a little bit and then build on if you feel guilt good from that, you know. People get too like, should I only do this? Should I do this? Should mm -hmm. I run? Is running good? Is running bad? Or eggs yeah. good? Eggs bad. It's like, it depends. It really depends. I don't know if I could survive 30 minutes at a 12% incline for three and a half. I would be so dead. Really? Yeah. I will say my endurance is probably and not at its peak, um, but I don't really do a lot of cardio, if I'm being honest. Mm. I get in steps. I get in 12,000 steps a day and I do four strength training workouts a week and that's it. I, don't I love do it. Any cardio. That's and so that's 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 what that's I'm talking great, about. Though. Some people don't yeah. need cardio. Some people 30 minutes doing that would be overtraining for you. It would be completely yeah, unnecessary it'd be a lot for me. And then it would hinder what you're trying to do. Yeah. Okay. I like this question. Which is better for building more muscle and definition? Heavier, less reps versus more reps. <laughs> it's a juicy one. You want me to go first? You want to go? Lift heavy. Lift heavy. Let's define heavy, heavy for people. So essentially the sweet spot, I always tell my clients, hey, around eight, 10, is it getting pretty strenuous? You could barely do a couple more. That's your sweet spot. Because I have like, and I ask my clients always because I want them to have a foundational knowledge base. So when they are not with me anymore, they know what to do at the gym. So I always ask them, even though I already know the answer, I always ask them, hey, so where are you at right now? How'd you feel with that set? They're like, oh, I felt good. I was like, hey, you could do like 10 more of those, huh? I said, yeah, I think so. That wasn't enough weight. They're like, well, what do you, I was like, were you struggling at 8, 10? They're like, no, then we want to make sure that you are. So lift the heavier weight next time. She's like, okay, that sounds good. So then they know, no, this is too light. This is heavy. So that's how you start to gauge it. That's kind of like the easy way to gauge it. I like that. make it more complicated than that. Keep it yeah, simple. I get really complicated. So. <laughs> Let's do it. Because there's well, a lot of ways to answer this question. Yeah. And there's a lot of right answers to this question. There's well, no like one definitive sure. answer to this question. Yeah. So Erica, correct me if I'm wrong. You're okay. training only in person. Is that correct? Yes. So that's a huge difference right there is I'm not training anybody in person. So when I'm asking my clients to explain their difficulty levels now, I work with clients that have never worked out before. And then I work with advanced athletes. So we have two sides of the spectrum and they're very different. Mm -hmm. So in terms of testing intensity, I use two different models for testing intensity. I use either reps and reserve. So basically saying, do you have two to three reps left in your tank? Mm -hmm. And that's how we're judging that. Because a lot of people are like, yeah, it felt difficult. Everybody has a different um, rate of perceived exertion, right? Correct. Like my difficulty and your difficulty might be off. And so, or if you're a brand new client, you you might not know if what challenging feels like, cause you've never been challenged. Everything's challenged. Yeah. Or you've never <laughs> yeah. been challenged at all. It. And you're no, like, it does. It I happens. don't know. It feel, I think it feels hard. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think that thinking about reps in the tank is really helpful in an instance like that. And then when they start to understand I'm on the same page, eight to 10, um, I typically, when it's if you're rating on a scale of 10, I want you to be at about an eight difficulty. I don't want my clients maxing out if they don't have a spot there to safely perform a movement. But in terms of the actual question of lightweights versus heavyweights, there are 
multiple ways to achieve muscle hypertrophy. Yeah, they've done studies where they took 30% of someone's max, which is very light, means mm -hmm. you could probably do 20 plus reps, took it to failure, and then heavier loads like 80%, and they still gained the same amount of muscle. I just think for me, my clients, you want them to get stronger, meaning they want mm -hmm. to be able to lift more weight okay. on the bar. So when they do medium reps, high reps, whatever it is, they continue to progress and they don't stall. I think in general, yep. you should mix your rep ranges, but you I should agree. always have somewhat of a period of time or focus where you're trying to add more weight to the bar. And sometimes that should be fives, sometimes tens, sometimes 15s and setting new PRs in all those ranges. And if you're in a caloric surplus, you're going to gain muscle. Right. And I think that is exactly how I feel. But I think to her point, when you do have people, let's say, working out from home, they're not in this perfect like your gym or my gym where I have everything needed mm -hmm. for them. If they need to increase exactly in that module that it's a perfect scenario, then of course. But if someone is at home working out and I did used to train online, I was an online fitness coach before I owned a gym. Okay. And um, it was that way where I yeah. had people in a wide spectrum, you know, where they were beginners or they only had like, you know, 10 pound dumbbells and a couple kettlebells and a bench. So so what I had to do essentially was vary the tension modules, right? Yes. As we all know, right? So we can do adding bands, adding pulses, adding pause reps. And so that all will increase the difficulty with not adding weight per se. And that mm -hmm. does obviously, yeah. you know. You got to be more creative within correct. home because they don't have infinite amount of weights. Maybe they only have all the way up to 35s and you're like, well, I need to increase the intensity. The most right. important thing is progressive overload. Like yes. maybe you add a additional exercise to a body part or additional set or an additional rep or bands or pulses or burnouts or whatever. All of it. Yep. Yeah. Cause essentially when we're trying to gain muscle, it's just that it's the hypertrophy. So for some people it might be changing up your progressive overload style. There's so many different ways to, I mean, progressive overload sounds like a fancy fitness term, but it's literally exactly what it sounds like. It's right. progressions. Right. So that progression, it's like running a mile just because you can run a mile in eight minutes doesn't mean if you can run two miles, that's still a progression. If you then run it under a certain amount of time, that's a progression. Yeah. If you run it with stopping less times, that's another type of progression. It's the same thing in weightlifting. It doesn't just have to be, oh, I've added additional weight. It's time under tension. It's less rest time. It's maybe doing a superset. It's maybe doing isolated movements. Like all of those are helping to build your muscle, which is this like elusive quote unquote hypertrophy that everyone thinks is just lightweights, high reps. Right. It's not, it's not a um, linear progression. Right. Right. And also I, I love to add um, deficit. I love deficit. So range of motion increases mm -hmm. are huge for progressive in my opinion, uh, because it just really allows for, uh, a, to just kind of have like more range of motion for the client functionality speaking. So like sometimes yeah. maybe like not able to go as deep their, their hips aren't as over, for example. And then they start doing like, you know, deficit uh, lunge, like a reverse lunge. It's like every, they're like, oh, this is really hard. And it's just I hate body a deficit weight, reverse lunge. body weight. There's no weight. And they're like, oh, and I'm like, yeah, yeah I got mm -hmm. you. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> I love those. What yeah, would you say hard. Yeah. for people trying to build a certain body part? Glutes? shoulders, calves, how do you, how does someone best approach trying to develop one specific area when they think about training or programming or for your own clients? That's tough. 
well, at first house, why are they trying to build us like that specific area? Um, well, let's so say they're someone who's done cycling a ton. Okay. They have oh, very that. developed quads. Ooh. They don't have any glutes. Oh. Right. And uh-huh. they're coming to you and saying, I don't want my quads to get any bigger. Yeah. What do you do? Hip thrust. <laughs> you got to do hip thrust. You do thirds too. You hip thrust. You do uh, adduction and abduction works as well. Isolation focus exercises. Um, but you want to hit like, you know, RDLs and um, also vary the tension model- modules as well. But you want to have more horizontally loaded exercises instead of just vertically because vertically obviously hit more of the quads. They're going to do more damage for you. And they're going to obviously if they're especially if their quads are just overactive, sure. you want to hit the back end, in my opinion. So just a variety. That's what I recommend. Um, and also maybe hitting it a couple times a week, especially Increase with the frequency. Yeah, it's yeah. horizontally loaded exercises. You know, your body can take a lot more than vertically loaded. Um, and essentially will take the quads more out of the equation. I think it's also really important to understand what muscles you should be working when you're doing movements when it comes to that. Like the mind-muscle connection? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think and that's to huge, yeah. be a little bit more knowledgeable or at least curious about your anatomy, not to the point that you are literally studying anatomy, but being aware that you don't just have one glute muscle, that you have multiple. So mm-hmm. you're saying different types of glute exercises are mm-hmm. important for different types of reasons because they're right. building different parts of it. Um, I am extremely quad dominant and tried mm-hmm. to build my glutes and I've had a major progression over the past few years. That was one of my main reasons for going into maintenance or getting into more of a caloric surplus is because I wanted to build my glutes. They were like literally non-existent. If I showed you before and afters, you'd be mind blown. And so, but when I started doing hip thrusts, I kept feeling them in my quads and I never understood why everybody was like, these are so great for your glutes. I just didn't get it. I didn't feel them in my glutes. It took me a really long time to get that mind muscle connection to properly learn how to mobilize and to warm up the right muscles Mm -hmm. so that I could actually feel them during a workout. I have clients a lot of the times that have a hard time feeling it in their shoulders. They will feel a lot of movement in their traps or in their rear delts. And they're like, well, why am I not feeling it on the sides of my, um, my arm? It's because they're they're, like elevating. Yeah. It's because they're not really aware of that mind muscle connection or not, um, hitting the muscle in the right way because they're overusing something else. And so I do think it's important to be curious about your body. We should all know what we're working if we're trying to build a certain area. So a good tip is adding maybe some activation work for the muscle oh, you're yeah. really trying mm-hmm. to build connection with. Yeah. So you're kind of wiring the brain muscle connection before you even go into the movement. Yeah. That sounds like what you did that was made mm-hmm. you successful. Yeah. And I think that it's, well... If you are not warming up and mobilizing before, you should be anyway. Oh, yeah. 100%. Uh, but it's really, Especially I think it's glutes. good to really understand. You can like, okay, exam, for example, shoulders, like understanding what that feels like, like doing an around the world. You need like three pounds. Those. Like oh, it is hard. Those will kill you. <laughs> I did little pulses on top. That I, ah! I was like, yeah, I feel it. Let's go. But good. even just warm <laughs> that up. So then when they go to do the heavy movements, they're yeah. like, oh, that's yeah. where I should be feeling it. Cause exactly. And then keeping notes too, because everyone's a little bit different. You'll mm-hmm. find movements you're like, wow, I really feel connected to this. Yes. Milk that, follow that, right? Yes. And start you'll start to collect, you know, data of like these are the ones that really make things grow or change and I feel the most. Yeah. And then you oh, yeah. you kind of have your toolkit you can use. Yeah. Yeah. All right. For someone suffering from rheumatoid rheumatoid arthritis, what are the best workouts? Hmm. 
I'll go first. Yeah, I don't know. In general, from what I understand is... <laughs> no well-versed with this. I'm like, what? <laughs> from what I understand, Be it's because it's an autoimmune. Okay. If the immune system is too overtaxed, so you do too much exercise to failure, it creates that inflammation. It, it oh, creates oh. that inflammatory response. So things get really inflamed. I had an in-home client in Seattle where she really likes lightweights. I think she could have done heavier, but just... You know, like you were mm -hmm. saying, reps in reserve, make them like five to 10 instead yeah. of like two to three. Mm -hmm. um, but we just had to always be cautious. She couldn't do any super high intensity stuff. She couldn't go to failure because she did. She'd get so inflamed. She'd be in bed for two, three days. Oh, yeah. Well, I think you just mentioned something about inflammation, which I know this wasn't the question. No, but go for it. Let's do it. I deal with a lot of clients who do have autoimmune conditions mm -hmm. or who have really, really high stress. Yeah. I work with yes. moms and a lot of young professionals, mm -hmm. and they are high stressed individuals. And mm -hmm. anytime we are adding stress onto our bodies, it has the potential to add that inflammation because our bodies don't know how to tell the difference between our emotional stress versus the physical stress of caloric deficits, hard workouts, things like that. And so it's important to remember that if you do have an autoimmune condition or if you are having something that is exacerbating that inflammation, that you don't always have to go super hard, mm -hmm. that you can still have a healthy lifestyle and a balanced lifestyle in your fitness while keeping things at a moderate intensity. Yeah, don't overcook yourself. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> <laughs> when you're training, you're creating inflammation. Yeah, but if if you're already, you know, inflamed. overly inflamed mm -hmm. from your outside lifestyle, be aware of that when you go into your training. Like you, yeah. you drank more than four, you felt fatigued. If you did mm. your normal intensity, it would be too much and that would be detrimental to the west, rest of your week of training. Yeah. Right? So you had to exactly. titrate it. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. This is a good one. Are calories or macros more important? Ooh, I like this one. Yeah. So um, I previously, before when I owned the gym, I did online coaching and I did specific nutrition focused, habit based uh, programs for clients that were completely separate. They didn't have any training or anything like that. People can elect to do both, but I had that separate as well. And I loved doing this because people really had a very good foundational understanding of nutrition. It surprises me, but it's very true. Most people, regardless of whether they're looking for an aesthetic goal for themselves, and most people when they come to me, it's aesthetic. It's not just, I want to be healthy. It's more aesthetic. And then it turns into, oh, this feels good. I need to be healthy long-term, right? Mm -hmm. Which is a beautiful thing. But uh, essentially, they people don't know a protein from a macro, from a carb, from how to fuel their bodies properly, basic water intake, sleep, just like the basic, like you need to get sun, walk, like just for the very basics. For, for nutrition, I feel like it's really important to have my clients have a foundational knowledge first. Like if they don't know what protein is, they don't know the benefits of it and how it's contributing to their goals, right? Don't know why the body needs it. It's really important to kind of start there. So in essence, someone asking that is someone that is not does not have a foundational uh, knowledge base of nutrition. Because if they do, they would know the answer to that question, which is essentially both, <laughs> right? Yeah, counting it's, macros they, yeah. is calories. <laughs> exactly. So a uh, lot, kind of long story long, but essentially, what you want to do is um, focus on 
especially if you're strength training, protein goals are very important, as we all know. Uh, the fats and carbs are important as well, but that is more, I feel, personal. Some people like to operate on more high carb. They just feel like they need more of the fuel that way. Some like a little higher fat. So the percentages just tend to differ based on where you're at. But as long as you're getting that protein intake, it's really important. But the calories overall, we don't want to just focus on calories because that means like as long as I hit 1,500 calories and it's all carbs and like two grams of protein, we're good, but I'm so hungry. I wonder why. <laughs> so that happens a lot too when they don't have that knowledge. That's why the macros are so important, right? So we're going to have a certain amount of calories be comprised of protein and then also of um, fat and carbs. And then they have start to have that understanding of why it's important and then why, they're, why, why now they're feeling full as opposed to before they were not when they were just mm-hmm. counting calories. So- Yeah, I think you touched on some really important things there, especially that last part where you said all of a sudden when people start counting their macros, they're realizing that they're getting full because what I've seen when people go from calorie counting to full macro tracking, they start eating a little bit healthier some of the times or they're like, wow, I'm eating whole foods versus just chips which might like is an empty calorie essentially and they're not getting full off of the chips but it's adding up their calories right but when it comes to order of importance like you said macros are calories they are just a smaller number and macros are what creates calories Mm -hmm. and i think it also comes down to what people's goals are like you said a lot of it comes down if you're asking that question you might not know the difference between calories and macros. Now, if you have a specific weight loss goal, we all know to lose body fat, you have to be in a calorie deficit. So in that sense, yes, calories are the important part of that. We can't forget that the calories have to do with our energy. We're not going to get into the whole science behind it. So yes, calories are important. That is point blank. But In the macro breakdown, again, I think it comes down to what your goals are. And like you said, protein intake. When people start to realize how little protein they eat and then all of a sudden they start to increase that, their satiety is increased and they are less sore from workouts. They are noticing that um, they're able to gain muscle a lot faster because they are, I mean, you cannot gain muscle if you're not giving your body what it needs to build muscle, which is just that it's protein. Um, but like you said, I think the carb and the fat split can really be on preference. Um, it's pretty interchangeable. Obviously carbs can give us that kind of quicker energy and fats, um, still give us some energy, but that's really going to just help everything work through. I personally, like my my female clients to start out a little bit lower on fats, but also remain in a range where it's going to be safe for their hormones. Yeah, because obviously women are going to have different hormone makeups than mm-hmm. men, and so men don't typically have to worry about that as much. And then as far as carbs, um, I like them to have a pretty large amount of carbs mm-hmm. because that's again giving them the energy for those heavy lifts. But I think those are all really great things and. Um, I actually just created an Instagram reel for this about the whole idea of if it fits your macros. Yeah. Because there's two different mindsets here. It's the if it fits your macros people who are eating the chips, the Pop-Tarts, the shit, and it's all fitting within their macros essentially – 
But, They're starving. but now you have gut problems. Yeah, yeah. now you have gut problems. Now you're <laughs> Bathroom eating problems. Like, terribly. Yeah, you feel like shit in your workouts. Mood problems. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you're in a deficit. Yeah. How long is it, that going to last? And it fit your macros. Yeah. But then you also Gross. have to look at the side of there's macronutrients and then the micronutrients. So that whole nutrition oh, yeah. where you're literally focusing on high protein meals, carbs, things like um, complex carbs, are complex corn, carbs, sweet we're potatoes, eating sweet potatoes. Wheat, you can eat white potatoes too, y'all. It is still a vegetable at the end of the day. Of it's still they a have a high vegetable. satiation, I guess. They do. Yeah, they do. And good amount they of micronutrients as well. People potassium. Yeah. Yeah. Which is important for muscle Super protein. important. Yeah. But I think that's something people forget about. And yeah. that's like the forgotten macro counting is that to hit your carbs, you can eat fruits and vegetables versus just eating sweet potatoes and rice. Oh, yeah. Well, what is your general recommendation for women and protein numbers? Do you have numbers you like in general? It depends on, for me, body fat percentage. So it really, I'm going to look at their estimated body fat percentage, but I like women to eat right around 0.8 to 1.1 grams per pound. I believe in a higher protein number, especially if you're in a caloric deficit. Absolutely. It keeps you full longer and it's also the macro that is hardest to digest. So you'll be full longer and it gives you, I just, it's the best way to go. Absolutely. What do you think about vegan diets for building muscle? Because <laughs> I know you recently were vegan, vegan and then you came up. three months strict, like strict, even yeah. went out restaurants and I asked, hey, does this have any animal products? And Austin is pretty easy to be vegan, honestly, because, yeah. But there's, you can definitely build muscle and you can definitely focus on having a high amount of protein being vegan. Absolutely. You just have to know what protein sources there are. You just have to essentially get knowledgeable. <laughs> just have to do the research, but it's totally doable. Absolutely. Just takes a little more work. Yeah. Yeah. You just, you got to learn a little bit. Why did you eventually come off? Um, I found it for me a bit restrictive overall for my lifestyle. Um, I do naturally do meals that are vegan just by technicality, like oatmeal is naturally vegan. My protein shakes are vegan. A lot of my protein bars are vegan. My plant protein, um, powder that I'm sponsored by, that's also vegan. So I, I'm not opposed to eating vegan meals. It's just, I like a range and I love seafood a lot. <laughs> there was when I had my first year, I was like, oh my God, so good. So just a restriction overall. But let's say that the world is like, hey, we cannot eat meat anymore. Mm -hmm. It's totally okay. I'll survive. Yeah. I can be vegan. And yet. you can still build muscle. Correct. It just takes a little 100%. more work. Yeah. Oh yeah, that was fine. You know, I don't have a ton of experience in this. I was vegan a long time ago yeah. and I probably didn't do it in the healthiest way possible. Oh, yeah. um, but like Erica it's hard. said. It's definitely challenging. Oh yeah. And I, if the world said we could no longer eat me, I, on the other hand, do not know if I would survive. I'd help you, girl. <laughs> I got you. I got you. I got you. But something yeah, that is of importance yeah. is it's possible. But we also have to remember when we could talk about that carb and fat split, you're most likely going to have a lot higher fats if you are vegan or vegetarian, because a lot of those protein sources that you're going to find are going to naturally be a little bit higher in fat content versus the carbs. You're still going to have some sort of split there, but um, I tend to find vegetarians and vegans have a little bit of a higher fat percentage because they're eating some like nut butters and mm. um, things like that. I love that. Yeah. This is a great question. What is the biggest lie perpetuated in the fitness industry? Yes, this is a good one. I don't know yet. Definitely. I think the biggest one is that 
uh, weight loss, like actual sustainable weight loss is fast, quick process. You know, everything out there have this 90 pill. day program. Yes. Oh, no. 90 day. That would be a, <laughs> that would be a definitely an improvement. There's like these whole like four weeks, lose all your body fat, mm-hmm. get your abs. I'm like, are you kidding me? Yeah. Like in what world? Like absolutely not. You'd be dead. Like your whole like system would be so screwed up. So, yeah, that's the number one. That whole lose weight quick lose weight fast. It's just such a lie. It's just not at all sustainable. You'll lose it, maybe go crazy and then just eat everything and gain it all back. Yeah. Lose all your muscle. And all, uh, yeah. Oh, terrible. What do you think, Tessa? This is a really tough one for yeah. me. I feel like when I think of like the most common things you hear are like high intensity cardio is good for everybody. Mm-hmm. And I do not believe that. I am a firm believer that not everybody needs to do cardio. Obviously, we just spoke on that, but especially high intensity cardio or classes. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think that everyone assumes because Sally Sue that they know from high school lost 50 pounds doing Orange Theory, that when they start Orange Theory, they're going to start seeing the same results. And when they don't, and especially when they don't see it in four weeks, they're upset with themselves, they're frustrated and they don't understand why it doesn't work. So then they keep going and then they get stressed out and then they continue to go and then their life just gets even more stressful. Oh my God, I've never <laughs> heard that. People actually lose 50 pounds going to orange theory. Yeah. I imagine, <laughs> really? it's, I imagine it's people that like, I, I always tell people orange theory, so. or F45 yeah. and all that stuff. It's great if you've not done shit for a long time. Oh, it's moving a, your ass period. It's a, is a good, good thing. general fitness like, three to six months kind of gets you in the door moving, yeah. but then you usually plateau or you start to go backwards. Yeah. I had a client this morning be like, I'm going to go on vacation. Should I just go to orange theory? And I was like, yeah, I guess you could. It's just a week. It's fine. Like as long as you're moving, mm-hmm. just do something. Right. She's like, but every time I went to orange theory, I just gained a bunch of weight. And I told her probably because that high intensity creates so much stress in the system. You actually start overeating oh, yeah. a ton. And that's where the weight gain comes from. And it's just, cause she's like, I think it makes me bulky. It's not going to make you bulky. Eating too much is going to make you bulky. So, yeah. That's well, back to that inflammation we talked about. It's just adding additional stress to your body. Again, yes. when I work with clients, these are stressed out people. Like I'm talking like <laughs> I'm talking like eight, nine, ten out of ten. They are stressed out. <laughs> They're maxed. They are maxed on the stress. And so, just imagine care. your body is at it's like peak peak emotional stress. Yeah. Like you're about to blow your top because your stress is so high, and then you're like at Orange Theory, running as fast as you can. Like your body is freaking the fuck out. It's like our bodies are created to survive not thrive like it's yeah. fight or flight yeah and it is fighting yeah, yeah. i got you two know? more questions yeah and we talked about this a little bit earlier mm. gaining weight there are clients and individuals who have a you know hard time gaining weight right what are your best tips for someone who has just a really fast metabolism how do they get their macros in and not feel sick or overwhelmed with it you know what are some good strategies or tips for that Yeah. I have a couple tips for these. Um, So number one is definitely what helps is put on a timer to eat because sometimes with these people, they eat big meals and they forget to eat later. And they're just like, they're just burning through food so quickly. But in order to hit a certain amount of calories and macros for them, I think it's super important. They stay consistent with tracking it and eat 
on a timer because sometimes they'll forget, number one. Number two is the consistency part because it's really hard to gain weight when you have a super fast metabolism if you're not consistent with eating a good amount every day. Like they have to literally not be able to, like 80% 80 of the time is basically what I target for them to actually gain the weight that they need to gain, especially when their metabolism is so slow. Because like you said, like if they don't eat a meal, they like lose like five pounds. Like what? Like, yeah. And I also um, recommend not doing cardio as much obviously the less calorie expenditure we have going the better so strengthening strength training as much as possible lifting heavy as much as possible to encourage you know the weight gain um and the protein obviously a good amount of protein but i think it's that keeping tabs and really having like some kind of reminders or accountability tools to eat at a certain amount and also um the other tidbit that i like to have with tip for them is having those type of really easy shakes that you can make that there's tons mm-hmm. of calories that, you know, yep. the bulking shakes, those are huge. Like you just put a bunch of peanut butter in that, the protein and just anything that can you add can a good amount of fat. In there. Oatmeal, yeah. yeah. It just, blends so easy. You can, yeah, you can have an easy thousand I do that. Calories. I do that because I don't, I train all morning yeah. and if I don't eat, I will crash. Yeah. So I just put a bunch of oatmeal and yeah. fruit and all that and I can get yeah. a bunch of calories. Very yeah. easy. Exactly. Easy to digest because I just don't want to eat in the morning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is actually when I think that when it comes to calories versus macros, where actually calories almost take a precedence Mm. here. Macros are still Mm -hmm. important. But if you are at that point, let's just say you're eating, you're a female and you're my size, you're five foot tall and you have some crazy fast metabolism and you're at 2,500 calories and we're trying to like pump you full of all this protein, you're going to get full really, really fast. And so smoothies, I think that's like, Mm-hmm. Definitely the best way. Making sure all of your meals are well-rounded and balanced is huge. And then like, it's okay if you don't want to eat three, just three meals. Maybe you want to have six meals throughout the day. Great, fine. Mm-hmm. You can eat however many meals you want. Like split it up however you'd like. Um, and then I'd say focus on low volume foods. So things that are higher in calories for a smaller dense, amount. So dense. like mm-hmm. you said, peanut butter, nut butters, like mm-hmm. avocado. I'm even a proponent of eating like Kerrygold butter. Like I love butter. Or, like, and you if can I get have away with a bag of tortilla oil. chips. I mean, oh, a yeah. fucking bag of tortilla I mean, chips can, is a thousand can, calories. Yeah. If you need to just bump your calories real quick, I just agree. eat some guac and chips and I you're agree. up there. Guacamole is great. You said avocados, like avocados were again, not worrying about quote unquote low calorie foods, but eating some of these higher fat, higher um, caloric foods, higher density foods that don't fill you up as fast so that you can eat them. And then, yeah. Sushi is great one too. Yeah, you can get a nice sushi great. roll with the mayo and everything. You'll get a thousand calories in quick and it's so delicious. So good. I yeah. agree. I think they, sushi's a they really great way. <laughs> I love that. What's your thoughts on creatine? Should women take creatine? And does it matter if you're taking it, whether you're cutting or bulking? Ooh, this is a great question because I don't think everybody should be taking creatine. Now, creatine is a great supplement for a multitude of reasons, but if you cannot hit your macros consistently, do not add a supplement. It is pointless. It is not going to do anything for you. Creatine is naturally in our bodies, but by adding that three to five grams of creatine is going to increase its availability in our bodies. Now, creatine is going to help with energy of our muscles. People will say, oh, it gives me energy. It does not actually give you energy. There's no caffeine in creatine. Mm-hmm. It is giving your muscles the energy to perform at their highest ability by creating more ATP in your muscles, essentially. And so 
I think, yes, women that are hitting their macros and are training hard, lifting weights. So you got to get the foundation first. Yeah. Foundation first. That's like number one step. Make sure you're hitting your macros, a.k.a. getting your protein in, hitting your carbs, staying in your fat ranges. That's the first step. And then women who are trained or women or men who are training at a uh, higher intensity, not necessarily like I'd a say class. more intermediate level. I, I would. Yeah. Intermediate to advanced, right. I'd say would be a great time to start. But again, I would not necessarily recommend it if clients are doing group classes personally. Um, but so I would recommend it to clients who are lifting and then it's fine for if you're on a cut or if you're on a bulk creatine does not need to be cycled it can be taken every single day and it should be taken every single day if you are taking it mm-hmm. you have any thoughts erica no i i think pretty much she rounded up what i thought uh but what i think but i just like to add that my clients are mainly lifestyle clients it's like i just to get them on the like base level number mm-hmm. one of like working out consistently eating well minimizing alcohol sleeping and all that good stuff. i try to focus just on that i really don't like to add supplements in general i just feel like i'm just much more of a natural holistic type gal i feel like if you can do without the supplements you can focus on whole foods and getting like the natural yeah. you know um, energy that comes from a full night's sleep if you can like these are all things that are luxuries that a lot of my clients do not afford themselves like because they're super busy like you're talking about the stressful Mm -hmm. i have lawyers as clients i have anesthesiologists like i have like clients that are like um c-suite uh executives and they're just totally stressed as well too so for them just to get enough sleep and eat adequately like not skip meals i'm still trying on that like three six months later so creatine like i mean respectfully like what level are you at to like actually consider that? I would want to see a very consistent year of training and following your macros and really being able to sleep and like, you know, take your walks and have everything basically down before you consider something like that. Totally. Yeah, I, I think it's think about your training in phases, mm-hmm. novice, intermediate and advanced. You don't really leave the novice phase until like a year, year and a half. Once you've, you know, you're strong, you're Mm -hmm. dialed in, Mm -hmm. you feel good, you're looking really good, and now you're trying to polish or take it to another level, now start to add these things. Or you're majoring in the minors. You're focusing on the thing that's gonna not give you that much return, when if you just slept more, you'd probably get way more results. Exactly. Sleep is super underrated. Like I think as trainers, we obviously- Sleep. Well, we obviously focus on, we're like, oh, workouts, nutrition, like all these things are important, but at the end of the day, Like you, even if you're doing workouts and you're hitting your nutrition, but you aren't hitting the fundamentals of your sleep, hydration, hydration, your stress levels, like you're not going to see the same results that you would if you were actually getting those things. And so forget about creatine. Those are the top ones. (laughs) And then, then comes the, it's it's like putting fertilizer in a plant, but not watering it. It's like like fundamentally it just needs fucking water. Then you can add fertilizer and all this other shit. That's all I'm saying. And there's not, I just want to say too, there is nothing wrong with staying at the novice level, beginner level. If you can really get to the point where you can master like 80% of the time sleeping well, hydrating well, be consistent with your workouts weekly um, and, you know, having that foundational like routine lifestyle. Totally. You are so winning. You know how many people that are not fitness pros have that mastered? Do you guys have any idea that lifestyle, like normal everyday clients? Very not few. Not a lot. <laughs> very yeah. few. So let's just let's just start there. Totally. <laughs> yeah. I agree with you. Respectfully. And... Like there's no problem mastering that. And be amazing if they can master that. And you don't ever Any need to us. do creatine. Like no. you, you can live your life and feel happy and be yeah. fit 
without it. And that's what touching on what you just said. People get into the nuance, the whole what's trending, what's it because people will get bored. Like, mm-hmm. okay, I'm gonna get bored with this workout next week. It's okay, you're still gonna do it. This also applies. <laughs> like, it's like yeah. it's called like you still have to brush your teeth every morning, even though it's boring. This applies yeah. to actually everything in the yeah. fitness industry. Peptides, IVs, fucking with like, you know, BCAAs. all these yeah. There's so much shit. All this there. shit. You're just getting sold things. Now, yeah. they can make a difference and there's a lot of science behind them, but get the fundamentals yes. first. Everything else, yes. supplements yes. are supplemental. Correct. They are not foundational to your health and well-being. That is why they are called supplements. Correct. They are not necessary. Yeah. They are not going to be the end-all be-all no. of your fitness journey. Just because you take creatine and protein does not mean you're going to gain muscle. Or greens. People we were like, I took my greens oh. this morning in powder, but not any, but I don't eat any vegetables, but I took my greens. I'm good. I'm like, well, actually, no. You're <laughs> just going to like go to the bathroom in the next hour. <laughs> like, what? Yeah, how much did that absorb? Yeah, but it, like the health industry is in the business to make money, not to actually make you healthy. That's the problem. It's a billion dollar industry for a reason, right? They're marketing that's what it, professionals. It, 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 and, and, yeah, they market people that they have no business in buying any of these products. They're literally marketed not to the specific niche because there's there's just so little of those type of people, fit pros that actually need these type of supplements because they do and everything else, like obviously at a very high level, mm-hmm. but that's not going to make them the money, you know? Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. Do you have any final words of wisdom to anyone listening that's on their fitness journey? Yeah. Get sleep, reduce your stress and get your ass into the sunlight. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Super, super straightforward. Yeah. Perfect. I would say um, if you definitely want a thick booty and you want to be thick, <laughs> you got to move that booty, please move that booty. A lot of my clients are like, what do I do? I'm mean, just move it, move it, put it under some stress, make it hurt a little bit, you know, do, do your workouts. Like it's just really important that not to focus on what you want to do sometimes, because one of my main questions is how do you get motivated to do that workout you don't want to do? How do you get pumped? It's easy. You just start, you know, having your shoes by like, you know, and your workout gear, like at the foot of your bed, you know, having the alarm go off like, hey, it's time to go. We got to do this. Not think about it and have it be something that is like not a conditional thing. Mm -hmm. I have to do this workout. I'm going to do it. It's going to feel I'm going to feel amazing after and it's going to give me the results that I want. Just look, think about all the positive things and then just do it. Just like you have to brush your teeth, how you have to go to work. Think about the workouts like that. If you think about it in that same uh, line, right, um, then you actually do it. But if you find that you can have a way out, I can or maybe not, then you won't do it. So that's like kind of the best way to just I love get that. done. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, that's yeah. Schedule things. Yes. That's, that's, that will be my final note here. Yeah. And move your ass. To schedule things. Schedule things. Move your ass. If you have to start simple of putting a timer on for you to go to bed or to put your phone down. Yeah. If you need to schedule te- a 10 minute walk to get out in the sun to get that vitamin D. Yes. If you need to schedule that 30 minutes to move your ass. Got to move Schedule it. it. Put it on your calendar. Start yeah. day by day, one task a week yes. if you need to. And then week two, add another task. That's a good t-shirt for yes. you. Move your ass with your yes. logo where it says, it would just say ass. Mommies, move I like your it. ass. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Tessa, thank you for being here. I appreciate it. No, thank you. Erica, thank you for being here. Thank I appreciate you. it. So How do fun. we find you guys one more time? Yes. You can find me on Instagram at the trainer Tessa or my business account, which is at Fitness underscore. Awesome. For me, I have a website, Thick Mommies Fit Lab. I also on Instagram, Thick Mommies Fit Lab, two C's and M-A-M-I-S. And you have a dope studio in East Austin. I do. 
And um, Big Mommy's Fit is my normal personal account. I'm trying to make more personal, less professional, you know, boundaries. We all try to do them here and there, but you know, I'm trying. <laughs> totally, guys. Love it. Thanks for being here. Thank you. Thanks. Another killer episode. Tessa, Erica, thank you for coming out. I really appreciate it. If you ever have more questions or topics you want covered on the podcast, you can always text me at 512-488-4223. You can shoot me a message. Let me know what topics or questions you have. Also, if you text that number, you will get podcasts sent to you each week right to your phone so you'll never miss an episode. Again, that's 512-488-4223. Guys, thank you so much for being here. Make sure to continually write those goals, set those goals, schedule your training, and keep moving forward. All right, guys, I will see you on the next episode.